Hey everybody, welcome to Land of Lakers Live. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky coming to you after game four. Big 135-111 win for the Lakers. Thanks for joining us uh, on Facebook, on Periscope and Twitter, on our YouTube feed. As always, we are, uh, Andy, we're sponsored by, check this out. I'm going to see if I can make this work. We're going to share a screen here. And who are we sponsored by? Delicious Pizza. Yes. It didn't work. Nobody sees that, but we're going to try uh, it again later. Delicious Pizza. Right. Screen sharing failed, Andy, but Delicious Pizza, two locations, West Adams and Hollywood. Uh, 20% off if you tell them Cam Brothers when you put it in at deliciouspizza.com or you call your order in. 20% off great food, uh, supporting local businesses, supporting a huge Laker fan. I'm going to get that right before the end of the show. Um, we talked about two things, Andy, on our preview that we do before the show goes live. Um, getting everybody ready. You talked about, is this going to be the game we get the superstar performances at the same time for a whole game from LeBron James and Anthony Davis? And technically speaking, the answer was no, but practically yes. And my thing was, is this going to be the game where after Portland looked like they were a little bit out of gas uh, in game three down the stretch that the Lakers just understood that and came out and kind of buried them early uh, and didn't give a weaker team a chance to feel like they were in it. The answer was unequivocally yes to about 15 and nothing oh, yeah. up in this game. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they, they took care of business to say the least. Yeah. I mean, th this was the best the Lakers have looked to begin a game. This was the best that LeBron and Anthony Davis have looked playing together. You know, not, not just in the bubble, but I mean, this is the best they've looked playing together in a while. Like I, I don't remember the exacts, of the big weekend when they played uh, Milwaukee and the Clippers and beat them both in that same weekend in terms of, you know, statistically, you know, impact how, how either one of them did individually because that game took place seven years ago. <laughs> but, but the way they played tonight was the, it's among the most superstar tandem that we've seen Anthony Davis and LeBron James sharing the court together it's among the highest of this season period yeah well what's what's funny about it is like i, I always look at it and I, I actually i used to i was on with sedano and his playoff thing a playoff party that he does uh, before with o'shea who uh who's as you might suspect andy in a really good mood tonight O'Shea. yes he was here. yes he was um, i'm sure and so i was you know i was talking about this like the way I always point is like if you took somebody who never saw basketball, doesn't watch, doesn't care, and pointed to the screen as they walked by and said, who's the best player on the court? In game one, they would not have said Anthony Davis. Nobody no. would have looked at that and said, Anthony Davis, the best player out here right now. If you walked by the – like you would have been like, that dude is from another planet tonight. What he was doing, um, I thought tonight in the first quarter, particularly defensively, oh. was insane. And like, it was, it was, you know, wizard stuff. Like you, you're not getting past here, blocking shots, changing shots, all these things. I, it was stunning to see how effective he was at the beginning of this game. Yeah. I'm trying to find some of the numbers on him in the first quarter, but uh, first he, quarter, he finished with 16, 16 points, three rebounds, three assists, a block or sorry, a steal and two blocks. Yeah. It was the blocks in particular, because honestly, it seemed I, like he had more. 
I was going to say, I would have thought that it was more than just two blocks, but right. the amount of, sh- the amount of shots though, that he altered in the lane, you know, against Damian Lillard in particular, I mean, he had blocks at his expense. He had altered shots. He, he was just amazing over the, o- over the course of this game. I know uh, he blocked, um, he blocked mellow at, at one point, I, I believe in space. I mean, he just, the, the impact that we saw from Anthony Davis and then tonight all go ahead. No, I was saying I, I was, I was pulling up the, uh, the chat board and the oh, sound came. Uh, go ahead. Okay. And, and then uh, just the, the offense they had going, especially in the mid range, which is where we saw that two man game going between him and Alex Caruso during game three. But I, I needed to see a little bit more of it to be totally convinced just because a, AD has been, to be honest, kind of suspect from mid-range this season. Like, he, this is something that he typically, you know, an area that he lives in. But this year, he, he has not been great. The last couple games, though, you know, 15 to 20 feet, he's been money, man. He's it's, been unbelievable. I just this is this is what Laker fans were waiting to see. Like, not that you know, the, like, and we saw it some, you know, in the in the in the playoffs already, and obviously in this you know second half in Game Three, he was incredible. But you want to see like what you know sustained. What does it look like? And you know, in AD left the game with back spasms that seemed very precautionary. Um, yeah, the Lakers. Were he up said by, afterwards he was he fine. Was fine. Um, the Lakers um, were up by, I believe, 83 points at that point. There was no reason for him to come out on the floor. LeBron didn't play in the fourth quarter. Um, and so this, though, was that thing where, like, okay, he was good, but superstars are good all the time. You know, good players are good some of the time. A lot of the time, superstars are good all of the time. And he comes out in that in that uh, first quarter after apologies, very apologies, by the way, I had to do a uh, very lap. I've got some uh, tech issues going right now. My normal laptop that I use is in the shop and the it's, tablet that I've been using. I'm explaining to people why um, my frame keeps uh, right. Why you keep going showing all people pictures play. of your chestal regions. Right. Well, it just, it keeps <laughs> going all over the place. I mean, it's, it's swinging around like, like a Michael Bay film. Well, you're on a phone. Got, you're doing right, this on a it, phone. It well, but I'm not just on a phone. I'm on a phone that I'm trying to balance. And, and that's not easy when I'm also trying to monitor the periscope monitor. Twitter. You, know, you know what? I'll take care of the periscope, Andy. I'm on it. See, that's what I, I'm talking about. I got right you there, right there. So, okay, I, I'll let you do all of it, but I just wanted to explain to people right now. Like, I haven't been drinking. It's just the phone. You haven't been drinking won't stay up. tonight. Well, like no. now, no, not right now. Um, so, but like he comes out in this first quarter, and you're like, oh my god, that is a superstar, and it's sustained from the. We already like we expected from LeBron. LeBron finished with eight, eight, two, and three in the first quarter, but was aggressive and was moving the ball around and you know looked really good. And by the way, eight, two, and three is a good first quarter. Like that's basically you know a triple double waiting to happen. And so you you know, but you saw that from AD. You know, in the in the first half, he played fifteen minutes. We finished with eighteen points, five of seven from the floor, eight of ten from the free throw line, um, including. Uh, and then he had, they had the steal in the two blocks. LeBron in the first half, eight of nine from the floor, three of four from three-point range, three of four from the free throw line, um, 22 points, a block. That was the chase down. Like, you're not going to lose many games with the Lakers when LeBron is eight of nine in, the, in a half, 
and AD is five of seven from a half. Like, like that's not, you're not, you're going to win pretty much all of those halves and go in up by 29 points. That's just yeah, what that, like that's going to be. Like I said before, this was the most dominant that they've looked like as a tandem, you know, certainly since they've been in the bubble, but it's amongst the most for the entire season. If they can channel something like this in tandem on a regular basis, good luck beating this team. I'm not saying they're unbeatable, but I will say good luck beating them. They're going to be really, they're going to be a hard, hard out because when they play like this, A, I think it gives the other guys a lot of confidence and it opens up a lot for them. But B, it takes the pressure off the other guys to only have to be so good. I mean, as it turns out, there were a lot of other guys who played well. But when those guys step it up like that, it's going to be hard for other teams around the league to match star power. And at the end of the day, star power is what typically wins out in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, and then, like, you know, Andy, we talk about what happens when the Lakers aren't just aren't bad from three-point range. Like, you know, what if they were just competent? Like, on nights when they're just okay, they're going to be a really good offense. We never really consider what happens if they go nuclear and hit over their over 50% of their three pointers and a half, then what happens? And again, you end up up by 29 nights like that. It's unfair. I, I tweeted out. It was like a, like one of those eighties body switching comedies, except like instead of judge Reinhold and Fred Savage or some, you know, eighties adult and eighties kid, you had the Lakers and a team with shooters. I was like watching this going like, who the hell are these guys? I've never yeah, seen them shoot like this. Yeah, so you got AD playing the way he did. You have LeBron playing the way he did. You get you know the the incredible three point shooting. Um, I I want to talk a little bit, and we have a lot more to break down about the game, and we want to talk about pace, and we want to talk about a little bit of the rotation, whether or not Portland is done here. But obviously, so much of what was happening tonight was built around Kobe Bryant, and you know it's Kobe Bryant Day, and today on in LA they they uh, renamed you know that stretch on Figueroa between Staples Center and. I think it's down by USC. I think I forget exactly. Yeah, uh, the, the, I believe it's uh, MLK. MLK. Okay, so or or now uh, Obama. Now, I believe now, it's, it, there's a lot of changing names. <laughs> but I I, I believe. But that's, that's where that's more or I less. I believe where that stretch yeah. may be uh, now Obama Boulevard, but I'm not 100 percent sure. So you have this going on, and and I am not like I you know Bill Orm did a really fun story about the sort of the numerology around Kobe, and he's so deeply meaningful to people in LA. Um, and everywhere, really, that you want, you know, people look, there's, there's always like a sign that you can connect something because there's so many things that are personal to people about COVID. 24 to 8 is not a basketball score. Like, you know, no. like, that's, that's a football game. You walk by the TV in the first quarter, your football team's down 24 to 8. You're like, this isn't good. Uh, I need something. You see 24 to 8 in a basketball game, you're like, wow, one team's getting dusted here you see 24 to 8 in a basketball game on Kobe Bryant day in this context it really you know with the team wearing the uniforms and all you know I I I can hardly blame people Andy I think for pulling meaning into it uh where they would want to well I mean the beauty of it is you can have whatever meaning you want from it right you know what I mean like there's 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 no wrong here I mean, forget the fact that, you know, things like that are unprovable. The truth is, what difference does it make? It doesn't matter at all. If you you take meaning from it as a Laker fan watching, a member of the Laker coaching staff, 
the players themselves and, you know, LeBron, KCP, uh, Kuz, everybody that I, that I heard get asked about this, they were all cognizant of that one point in the score. Uh, Frank Vogel was the only one who said that he, he, he didn't notice it in the moment. Right. But, every, but all these other guys did. And all of these players, you know, it meant a lot to them to be playing on this, on this day, you know, 824, the day after Kobe, what would have been Kobe's 42nd birthday, but also to, to play at this level, to really be on the court paying an appropriate tribute to Kobe. It meant a lot to these guys. You, you can tell by the way they played, by the way they talked about it leading up to this game, and the way they talked well, about it. You tweeted that. You tweeted that after the game. Like, this was absolutely 100% the most appropriate Kobe Bryant yes. tribute the Lakers could put on was to come out here and just stomp Portland in a in a in a game that if they win the like Portland's not going to win this series if they if if the Blazers come out and they stay in it and they somehow steal Game Five something maybe they shouldn't or Game Four like Lakers still probably win but you're extending something winning tonight Portland's not winning three times in a row and no, that's, particularly if they, that particularly is a if they great trip you're right we'll get Damian to that Lillard, but uh, yeah th- this was. Whether you think Portland has one good game left in them, one, you know, Damian Lillard heroic performance, assuming the knee holds up, um, he was getting an MRI, Chris Haynes reported from the game. Um, whether you think they just have enough fight in them to legitimately challenge the Lakers in game five before the Lakers close them out, you're correct. Not winning this game took any hopes that they had of winning this series out from under them. Because yeah, it's they, not, they, not going to happen. They're not good enough no. to beat the Lakers three times in a row. I mean, they may not be good to beat them three times, period, but they can't beat them three times in a row. They're, they're just simply not good enough. You know, I, I, um, we, in, in the last show after game three, we had a long talk. I thought it was a good, good discussion just about like what it means to carry the Kobe thing through the playoffs. And I still think, you know, at the very least, if you don't win a title this year, you know, you, you've let down Kobe, you've, you know, somehow dishonored his memory. You did something wrong. I think that is just a wild and unfair thing to put on players. And I even think to some degree, because you have to find things inside of yourself uh, to, to motivate you, it can be hard to be like, I got to go win this for Kobe. You may that will help some players. It might it might not help others. But I will say one thing I don't know if I consider is, and and Frank Vogel has alluded to this, and some of the other players have alluded to it. Like there are certain things that are missing from this playoff drive, um, and the the motivation of a crowd, the whatever it might be that guys are used to drawing on to go win under really difficult circumstances like a playoff or whatever it might be. And so to have the opportunity then to look at it and say, oh, maybe I can draw inspiration from here. And what's funny, I'll tell you what made me think of this, Andy, ironically, and maybe we'll have time to talk about it before the show's over is, is we were having a discussion, uh, George and uh, Zach Harper and O'Shea about Paul George and how he listens too much to what other people say and the motivation here and there. And that guys always invent things for themselves and make up things for themselves and find, you know, maybe find motivation where they didn't, it doesn't seem like it's there. 
Kobe could help fill some of that to, you know, if you can't find motivation in a crowd or whatever it might be in your normal playoff routine, maybe there is something that I didn't consider about how finding extra inspiration from Kobe Bryant's memory could be that thing that lifts you. I, I don't know if I considered that in full. It certainly came through tonight, you know, with the way they played, wearing the jerseys and all these other things. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting, uh, interesting Sorry, way. It was, a long, it was a long point to make, but I just... It no, was... no, no, but it's an interesting uh, way of looking at it. And I, I hadn't specifically considered that element of it before or that angle on it uh, myself. I, I tried after the game and actually before the game um, and just couldn't get through in the Zoom to ask Frank Vogel if he's ever had any concern about these guys putting too much pressure on themselves in terms of needing to win this season, right. specifically to pay tribute to Kobe, given everything Kobe meant to this organization, but also everything that he meant to the players on this roster. I mean, whether you're talking about the relationship that he had with LeBron, or, you know, that I think particularly down the, the stretch of Kobe's career as he was getting older and then afterward, they, they began to get more close the way Dwight Howard never got the closure with Kobe that he really wanted, or the way Quinn Cook, frankly, idolizes Kobe. I mean, he, he, mm -hmm. Quinn Cook was down at the LA Live, um, the, the plaza with, with all the fans the day, yeah, the, day that, yeah. the day of the crash, when all those fans were out there leaving flowers and different signs and all these really love, lovely, heartfelt gestures, Quinn Cook was in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. He said that fans gave him his space to mourn, but I mean, he was he was Quinn Cook's absolute favorite player. So I mean, there's a connection point to all of these guys, and I haven't been able to specifically ask Frank about that. And maybe I'll try later on. And I and I have a feeling the players wouldn't necessarily give that much. I think that much open perspective about it, just because they're so if, in the middle if, of it. it if, if they, even if they thought you were right, I don't think they'd say it out loud. Right, exactly. But like we talked about before, and, and I still think this is the case, the, whatever pressure, whatever burden, whatever onus that these guys feel to honor Kobe this way, I think it's going to come from within. I don't think it's going to be external. I don't think it's going to be the fans putting too much of a burden on them because I feel like ultimately if, these guys don't feel like that's a fair ask, you know, that there's enough going on over the course of trying to win a championship, which is damn hard anyway, that it's not fair or wise to put that on their own shoulders. I think mm -hmm. they will find a way not to do it. I if think they're feeling and, and that if, way. And if, you, if you're right, what, and this then is I, I think they're, then I think, right. And I, if you're right, I think that's, that will help them. As long as it's sure. internal, as long as it's personal, and feels it doesn't like the, the, the way I phrased it the other night was if it's, if, if it's not a burden, if it doesn't feel like an obligation, then it, then it's something I think that helps. If it does, a, then I think it'd be a problem. It might feel like an obligation. It just can't feel like a negative one Ex or an like, external like, one or right, something well, that somebody's putting on you. Right. But if it feels like an obligation, because this is what they want from this championship run, they specifically want to honor Kobe this way then I think it's okay. Yeah. I, I, um, I really no, do. And I, also, I, I think it's unavoidable no matter what. 
That's yeah. how they feel. It's how they feel. Well, this is one of the reasons where, and if you look at the Lakers and what, and I, I realize most people do not like the Lakers, Andy, I understand why most people don't like the Lakers uh, that aren't Lakers fans. So like they're, you know, the, the, you know, Laker nation, and I hate that expression, but like, you know, Lakers, you know, have a massive reach around the world. There's no question. But when you look around as, as for reasons to pull for this team this year, and you think of all the stuff that they've had that they've endured throughout this season, even you know, up and obviously up into and including the death of Kobe Bryant, like the, it's a compelling story. Like you want to, I, I wonder even if there are people who normally hate the Lakers, I, or at least actually, this year who are kind of like, okay, like given what they're playing for and what they've been through and what the organization has seen. I got to cut him at least a little slack. I actually postseason. wrote, I actually wrote for the athletic uh, a few days after Kobe's death in a piece about the burden that LeBron now carries as the face of this organization. And being the face of the Lakers is a hell of a burden under the best of circumstances, mm -hmm. much less these. Yeah, there's no question. And, and, and also too, specifically the burden of being the next franchise face after Kobe and, and how hard that was always going to be. LeBron, it's as appreciated as LeBron is, he's still Goliath, and people generally don't root for Goliath. And the Lakers are as Goliathy an organization as exists in professional sports. But I actually thought this year, outside of whatever team you would be rooting for out of personal interest, that the Lakers were going to be the sneaky sentimental favorite among NBA fans. And if it's not going to be their team, with Kobe, I think most fans would be okay with the Lakers winning one for him. I really feel that way. Yeah, I, it, and it's a it's kind of a fascinating reversal. Uh, it won't be their fortunate reversal. I, mean, I can nope. tell you right now, this will not no. carry on. It will be this no, year, and, and and nobody would ever wish for the circumstances that create this kind of goodwill. But you know, the, the it is a kind of a fascinating um, twist in basketball, uh, in, in sort of normal basketball alignment. Um, and I, th I think you're exactly right. Um, there will be many more, I think, Kobe tributes. You saw a lot of guys wearing jerseys and all that stuff. You really just, it's another reminder of, of how meaningful he, he remained, me, he was to, to players and how meaningful uh, his legacy remains yeah, around town. Russell, Russell Westbrook was at the Thunder game, uh, Rockets Thunder game, wearing a Kobe yeah. Eight. A lot of people, a lot of people wearing eights on the way in. Um, get back to the game here, though. I mean, there, there were actually, you know, let's do this. Um, getting back to the game in just a second, Andy. After we tell people that, darn it. That you're trying really hard to do the graphics for Delicious Pizza, our sponsor, yes, two locations, trying, West Adams, yes. or Hollywood, 20% Why did off. it work in my practice? Password, Cam Brothers, uh, whether you are ordering online or you're showing up uh, to order for pickup, again, Cam Brothers, 20% off, awesome pizza. You are supporting local business and a diehard Laker fan who is extremely excited about this, Michael Ross. Um, so I think he'll forgive us with all of that if we still can't figure out the graphics. Well, no, and I, I can, I, and for the podcast, at least the uh, you know the video version of it, I can actually just drop it in there. But I wanted to do it on the live thing, Andy. So we'll just move well, on. Well, I mean, the, the lead up to it though was really smooth. It was. <laughs> no, it was good. Nobody well, we were tell, changing nobody subjects anyway. You're efforting. 
No, uh, isn't it the effort that counts? You didn't you didn't seem nervous like a third grader about to uh, do their school play or anything. Nope, (laughs) Nope. sure didn't. You look so as uh, Dan Levitard would say, you were leaking confidence (laughs) (laughs) quickly, quickly. Um, It's uh, there. There is a a, uh, the the way the Lakers played tonight, particularly in the first quarter. uh, They played with pace. They played with speed. They played with what Rob Palenka would refer to as thrust which always makes me think of uh the big lebowski and mm-hmm. jesus mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like, yeah. uh, like and it, it, I, I i i don't think rob palenka meant it in a dirty way that when he said he wants the lakers to play with thrust although i've never asked him no but um, i mean here's the thing when you're as handsome as palenka it's always going to seem vaguely sexual yeah I mean, just when true. you're when you're that good looking it's it's the burden that rob carries that's true rob palenka rob lowe yeah. The Robs. Um, yeah. well, but like the Lakers, the Lakers are most effective when they move and when they play at speed. They are very, very efficient, very good when they finish. It, it tells you something that the Lakers were the, still the number one team in field goal percentage despite being 19th in the league heading into the bubble um, in three-point shooting. When they get moving like that, and it's not necessarily just finishing on the fast break, it's just moving at pace and getting up and down the floor – and if, and if you have a crack thrusting through it rather than waiting somehow to see that, that thing to, uh, yeah, thrust right through, Andy. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I still – it's – where do you rank so now, playing when, with when, thrust? When, when right up there, like, for me, playing with thrust is right up there with Mana from Heaven with KCP or pulling out – what was it uh, – the Which trolley story? You, no, well, the trolley story is fantastic. But the, um, the, the what, I believe what he's I believe he's he, busted what book out did the he bring out? The There's Alchemist. A, that's the what Alchemist, it was. and hasn't there been some uh, Pablo Neruda at some point? Probably, but I was just thinking of when he actually did the reading from the Alchemist. I thought that was great. Um, the, the you do the the trolley story was it brings up bad memories from the Lakers. It was a bad time. But the trolley story was great. But I love oh, playing with thrust. Bad movies. times, but hilarious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unintentionally. Hilarious. We got a lot of mileage out of the trolley car story. No, no. Rob, it. actually, I, I have to say, uh, and I, I want to make sure to point this out because it's something I criticized him a lot for last year and, and first couple of years. Rob has really cut back on the flowery, literary, yeah. high pollutant speak that on one hand was absolutely the smart thing for him to be doing as a general manager messaging until mm-hmm. at least he starts having some winning seasons under his belt. They're just right. after a while, some of this just started feeling frankly like BS. I am very disappointed from a content perspective that he's doing the smart thing because it was it's, great no, it was, for it us. Brilliant. It was better so for useful. the organization. Yeah. His, the new Palinka much better for the actual organization. <laughs> But it's worse for us. It's worse selfish. for us. And let's and let's be honest. What is Im- more important, our content or the success of the Lakers? Maybe we need I mean, to do a poll. I'm not sure. I mean, I, it's a toss-up for me. It may not be a toss-up for I, everyone else. I'd like to think they're not mutually exclusive. But if they are, it's probably the content. Um, how do you think? Because I, I think we, we kind of alluded to this. Portland probably cooked. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they, both physically and certainly just from a talent standpoint, they're not coming back 
um, I think, 3-1 against the Lakers. And especially if Damian Lillard got an MRI after the game on his knee, if he's not available, they're certainly not coming back to win. I think the Lakers close this out on Wednesday. Um, if Is this the kind of look, you know, the sort of momentum they could carry past Houston, carry past Oklahoma City, two teams that are playing, I think, at a higher level, certainly than Portland is right now. Um, is, is there a, a team, a matchup, something like this, where you look at it and say, okay, I still need to see more or is what I think what we saw in the third and fourth quarter um, in game three and the first quarters tonight before the game was over is enough to beat anybody and potentially beat anybody convincingly. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because in terms of thinking about who they play next between OKC and Houston, which is knotted up. And if you're the Lakers, the thing you're hoping for uh, most over anything else is just seven games. Just let those guys tire themselves out some more while you hopefully close it out um, two days from now and get get some rest that you need. I, the pace that they've been playing with now, I, I've been wondering a little bit because they were starting to crank it up during game three. And then we saw just a lot of it from the jump tonight. I mean, they were effort. And it started, it really does start with Anthony Davis on the defensive side. And he yes. went when he went back and reviewed his own tape. I asked him this question after game two. When you went back and looked at game one and he said, I didn't play well, but what did you see that he didn't like? He talked about his defense and you know, it was better. It's been better and better and better as it went along. And tonight it was insane how, in, how impactful he was without even scoring a point in keeping Portland off the board. But just uh, there, when, when they really make that point, uh, KCP among other guys talked about this after the game, they, they, they were very conscious of looking to run at every opportunity. We saw that after every Portland miss. They, yes. it, even if it wasn't a fast break, they were pushing the ball up court. And that's really when they're at their best, even if it's not a fast break, just, just baskets or opportunities created out of transition, out of running. You know, I'll be curious to see their ability to do that potentially against a Thunder team that, has not been playing its best defense against Houston, but typically this season has been a good defensive team, and they've got um, good defensive guards who who at and least at times put, can be disrupted like, that they way. They have a guy like Dort who really is a genuine yeah, he, defensive he specialist. Is a, yeah, he is a really, really good young defender. And then when you think about with Houston, you know the the three point explosion that we saw from the Lakers tonight. I'd be lying if I said I didn't think that that was an outlier, you know, considering. Yeah, what that was actually Sam, Sam Yassin just asked that question on the uh, on the, the Periscope chat. Like, is this something they can keep up throughout? And he didn't say what they did tonight. He just says consistent. Like, what would you say would qualify as consistent, like a consistent 34 percent? I was going to say 34, 35 percent, because if they can if they can shoot 35 percent from outside, combined with their ability to tack the rim in a way that Houston is really not situated to defend. Like that no. they, are, they are not set up to deal with Anthony Davis no. or LeBron or JaVale or Dwight at the rim. Even, even a guy they like did the, beat, they did beat the Lakers um, they, with that, they, they that did, construction. They did, but, that, but that was also though, the Lakers had barely seen that team. And you it know, wasn't you, seven games. Right. And it wasn't seven games. Um, but the Lakers are going to have to be able to keep pace scoring with Houston, no matter how they do it. Yes. So those are the things that I'm curious about. I, I would say their ability to keep pace with Houston 
and specifically the ability to run that type of uh, transition and pace against OKC. Off the top of my head, those are some of the things I think about. It's it's funny too. We spent a lot of time on the on the show before I came on. You know, the with with you and in our show with with George and and uh, O'Shea and Zach, and we were talking a lot about like the rest of the conference and what it looks like. And as much as there have been legitimate reasons to worry about what the Lakers did, especially early in the series, you look around the rest of the Western Conference. Nobody is necessarily covering themselves in glory, at least among the favorites. You know, you know, Utah's really impressing people, obviously. Don, what Donovan Mitchell is okay, doing, you- and, and Dallas is saying, but like the Clippers haven't, I think, impressed anyone. No, Denver has been awful. Like they can't defend anyone. I had really high hopes for them in the playoffs. Totally underestimated missing the guys that they're missing. How much that would impact them? It's you know, the Lakers, as granted LA just pointed out on the, uh, on the, on the chat, really the only of the favorites, at least of the teams that are playing defense right now. Yeah. And so uh, in that regard, they are fully dialed in there. Absolutely. And I mean, and you know, it would be interesting to see how, how, if, if it came to this, they would score against a team like Utah that I think is actually built in certain ways to deal with what they do. But yeah. you know that that would be also happening. not exactly you know they're not playing great defense right now. I mean, no, but Denver's but problem it, isn't scoring. No, no, no. But I'm saying in, in theory, they Utah has shown the ability to do that at times, if not necessarily in the bubble. Nobody's playing defense in the West like the Lakers in the bubble. Period. Yeah, like they they they've been the playoffs, by far, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they've been by far the best uh, defensive team among Western Conference uh, among the Western Conference. Uh, playoff teams but at the same time they've been one of the best defensive teams all year period so we know that's not a fluke no no absolutely not i mean shooting 51 percent from three-point range like they did in the first half tonight that is uh, but it is it is funny like you know so much of this becomes about like can they just be normal uh, on a night like tonight where they are where they get all of the things where it's LeBron and AD do that stuff and they elevate and they, they, and they get the three point shooting and they get, they're going to blow out everyone, but that's not going to happen this way all the time. And so, you know, it's, it's, a it's amazing, but this is another one of those games and this is, you know, sort of inside the stuff like this happened in game, which was the other game they won pretty easily. It was a game two, three game three, where they won pretty easily. Like you start to take all the notes and you write things down and you're doing all that stuff. And then by like halftime, you're like, I'm not writing anything down anymore. Like it's, they scored 80, it was 80 to 51 at the half. I'm done writing things down. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they've become increasingly less of a note taking team, which is a good sign in, in terms of how they're playing. Um, still a little bit of curiosity in there about the, the whole JR or Dion thing. JR on the floor before Dion waiters again tonight. That was – it's still sort of weird to me. I don't, I don't understand it. it. J.R. I mean, Smith, it, it's not like he's bringing anything. It's – look, it is not in the grand or I would say even minor scale of things that big of an issue for the Lakers so far. I mean, J.R. Smith has not been, I guess, inexplicably given such a large role that you wonder about how much he, he's going to hurt the team by being out there. I mean, he – Unless it turns into a night like tonight, he's only going to be playing 10 minutes tops. If that I means he's not going to be playing much more. 
But that being said, I don't understand why those minutes aren't going to Dion. I mean, especially when you saw Dion actually get minutes tonight, and Dion wasn't perfect. And if you if your solution, like your Solomon-like solution, is split the baby in half by not playing either, I would totally right. understand that. I can't I, decide who I want to play, so I'm just going to play neither of you. Right. I mean, if 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 that was the route that Frank Vogel went, I would totally understand it. But seemingly more determined to play Jr. ahead of Dion, I just don't get it. Like in in theory, the explanation could be because those minutes have been matched up with LeBron, you know, the, the playmaking responsibilities that you'd see from Dion aren't going to be there. So you'd want to space the floor maybe more with Jr. But the truth is Jr. is not spacing the floor well right now. And he hasn't no. spaced the floor well in the bubble. Yeah, I mean, Andy, D- as you pointed out, he hasn't spaced the floor since like 2017 because that's the last time he was an effective basketball right. player. So I mean, in I, any way, I, shape, or form. You know, I'm not going to say that it, it's such a big deal that it's hurting the team. And who knows? Once Rondo really is an option, it may become a true moot point. But if you're asking me if I get it, the answer is no. I really don't get it. I don't understand no. it. Um, all right. Uh, I want to do this because I don't want to shift out of what is otherwise a, a serious topic. I'm going to give this one more try. Does everybody see delicious pizza? Yes, it's there. Delicious pizza, two locations in Los Angeles, West Adams and Hollywood. Um, stop by, tell them the Cam Brothers sent you, whether you're doing it at deliciouspizza.com or uh, you call in your order, you get 20% off. Really good food. Wasn't that worth it? <laughs> Quite. Yeah. Quite. Well, Michael might, might think it is. Um, all right. The last thing I want to talk about, you know, and we, we don't, you know, people will be waking up to a lot of this if they haven't seen it already, whether it's LeBron James, whether it's uh, Kyle Kuzma, a lot of people talking about uh, what happened in, in Kenosha um, with another police shooting and the, the question of social justice and George Hill on the Bucks after his game basically said, I don't think we should be here. Um, we have, we've taken attention away from what is more important than basketball, uh, the movement, it has slowed momentum and all these other things. And I am, and neither one of us are going to, uh, tell George Hill that he's wrong, uh, or that it, his feelings are incorrect and white explain away what's, what's going on here. I don't necessarily know if I agree with him though. I do think actually having these guys here has made a big difference in keeping at least among a certain segment of the population going because I don't think it was the start of basketball, Andy, that changed the context here. I think it was the return of coronavirus. It was people getting back to their jobs, people starting to get ready for school or whatever it might be to whatever extent life. We have an election in like 70 days. There is a lot going on. And I think just naturally the momentum and the attention, particularly when the virus kind of came back a little bit, uh, a lot, you know, it came back a lot in a lot of places. I, I remember, I, I don't we, think, I don't think it's unfair to say that, that basketball has helped keep the conversation going. I, I mean, yeah, I remember we, it's hard for me to say exactly, but that's my impression. I remember we talked before, um, before actually even the bubble opened up, because this was one of the questions, uh, whether this should even be happening or not. And, you know, forget whether media was discussing this or just regular people. This was something that was being discussed by the players themselves. 
And, you know, you, you heard a lot of players questioning whether or not they should be going in there or not, specifically for that reason. I, I feel like the, they have an ability to control the conversation to whatever degree they can by constantly having microphones in front of them and constantly being filmed, asked questions. And they have the ability to steer, to steer their responses wherever they want. Is that enough in and of itself? No. But there is nothing any of these players could have been doing if the season had been canceled on their own that I think would have forced the conversation to remain as alive as it was at its peak. Like, that it stayed as fervent as it did for so long is really amazing. When you consider how culturally in this country we flip subjects so quickly. We move off things with incredible and sometimes very irresponsible speed. We, we look away from things that we should be spending more time on, and that is part of the reason why these issues um, keep recurring, because we don't spend enough time on them in the first place. But it's also, it is not in the nature of most people, and I, I would even include myself in this, or most people, period. Activism as a full-time thing is exhausting. It's really, really hard. And even the most well-intentioned people are only going to be able to stay on message that focused for so long. Again, it's, it's pretty amazing that we collectively as a country were talking about systemic racism and police brutality and these type of inequities for as long as we did. And at some point, that conversation was going to, I'm not going to say dissipate because I don't think it has, but it was going to, it was going to fade in strength regardless of how anybody did anything. But I think the players do have an opportunity right now, a direct opportunity to be keeping people talking about this in ways that maybe they would have had before, but maybe they wouldn't have because depending on the amount of protests that were still going on or not going on or as visible or as covered by media if if players didn't have the platform that they have right now in the bubble i'm not sure where all of them would have the platform somebody like lebron would have the platform no matter what because he's lebron but you know malcolm brogdon for example who got a lot of coverage for being for leading a rally i don't mm-hmm. remember which which city he was in I don't know if Malcolm Brogdon, for example, has that type of platform outside of the immediate aftermath anywhere but the bubble. You know, I, I don't know if the average yeah. NBA player, however many months we are removed from George Floyd, I, I don't know if they have the same. It's just, it, it, there's not, I mean, I don't think there's a wrong, right or wrong answer. I just, I. No, I, and again, I, I agree. Don't, I'm not going to tell don't, George Hill he's wrong. Right. I no. just don't think, you know, you know that from my perspective i feel like it helps but i don't know it's just it's it's a it's a sad situation it's a it's a it's a tragic situation and it's something that to their credit jacob blake specifically in kenosha uh, we didn't say it earlier is what sparked this conversation yet again shot seven seven times times in the back Um, point blank range Um, it, it is um I, I understand why players would feel like they're in the wrong spot. But um, also, um, I want to I want to urge people because I'm sure the video will be made available somewhere. 
to find LeBron speaking afterwards. He spoke the longest I can recall him post-game or post-practice since entering the bubble. And he talked about police brutality and what it's like for black people as adults or as children, their relationship with police and being fearful of police. He spoke about the gun culture in this country and, and the prevalence of the problems caused by it. He spoke about memories of Kobe. He, he talked about a really wide variety it's worth of finding. subjects. It's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely worth, worth seeking finding. out. Um, all right. So that is, uh, is not a conversation that we're going to, you know, finish tonight. Um, it's going to be something that on that is ongoing throughout the playoffs. Uh, back to basketball, the Lakers looking really good um, at and starting to round into the type of form that I think everybody expected. That I think uh, not a lot of teams in the Western Conference are playing at right now. You look at you know really across basketball, it, uh, the teams that are playing best at this moment are the Lakers, the Raptors, and probably Miami. And yeah. two of those teams are in the other conference. So that's a good sign for the Lakers. We're going to be back Wednesday, Andy, for game five, when both of us uh, believe that the Lakers will close this thing out. And our guest will be Aaron Larsoul, the great Aaron yes. Larsoul from the official Lakers podcast. Super awesome guy. Very excited now that we feel confident enough in putting Hell this thing. Chef. Yeah, no, really. Uh, putting this thing onto the internet that we can actually have people on it. So that will be Wednesday. Uh, with Aaron Larsoul. So please make sure to join the chat and the show. Then we will see everybody uh, on Wednesday. Thanks a lot.